The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning, it's Wednesday the 6th of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, one of the Bank of England's most recent rate setters tells us the central bank is pretty much done hiking. Shares plunge in Man United on reports that the club is no longer for sale. And we get details on how a jump in mortgage costs is pushing out smaller landlords and clearing a path for rich investors to build to rent. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The former Bank of England rate setter Michael Saunders says interest rates may already have peaked. He told Bloomberg Radio there's an emerging weakness in the economy. I think they're pretty much done. At the moment, it looks to me about 50-50 as to whether they will hike again at the September meeting. And if they do hike, it would be um, only 25 basis points. Either way, I don't think they'll be hiking beyond that. So either we've already reached the peak or we have another 25 in September and probably that is the peak. Saunders was one of the most hawkish voices when he was on the Monetary Policy Committee. You can hear that full interview on the Bloomberg UK Politics podcast. Brent crude has risen above $90 a barrel for the first time this year as Saudi Arabia and Russia announced that they will extend supply curbs to the end of this year. Bloomberg's oil reporter Julia Fanzarez says that the surprise extension will tighten the market until the end of 2023. Traders are really surprised, not by necessarily the quantity, but the fact that it has been extended until December. So they expected that Saudi Arabia was going to extend their production cuts 1 million barrels a day. But till December, that's really going to tighten the market to the end of 2023. And that's what really caught traders by surprise and what sent markets soaring to above $91 a barrel for Brent at one point. That was Bloomberg Oil reporter Julia Fanzarez there. Goldman Sachs says that the moves by OPEC Plus brought bullish risks to its outlook for prices. So the bank's analysts outlined several scenarios, including one that sees Brent extending gains to above $100 a barrel, although they stressed that this wasn't a base case view. Arm's initial public offering is already falling short of lofty expectations. The Cambridge-based company, which snubbed the London Stock Exchange earlier this year for the US, is aiming for a market value of close to $55 billion. That's well below initial reports of a target of up to $70 billion. Our US Deals Managing Editor, Leanna Baker, breaks down the details. The roadshow's just starting. There could be great demand, for all we know, for these shares, and we could see them raise the range. That's definitely possible. That said, SoftBank has kind of scaled back the amount that they want to sell. Masayoshi Son, the CEO and founder of SoftBank, is very bullish on ARM. He doesn't want to get rid of the whole thing. They're only selling 10% in the IPO. So that's one of the reasons why the company is not looking to raise as much as they had thought. And because they're not looking to raise as much, the valuation is a little lower. Bloomberg's Leanna Baker says Arm is also facing risks from an economic slowdown in China, which accounted for a quarter of its sales in the last fiscal year. 
The UK government has recovered just a fraction of the £1.1 billion lost to fraudsters, taking advantage of its coronavirus business support programme. More now from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Almost three and a half years on from the start of the first COVID lockdown, the government has recovered just 2% of fraudulently claimed payments. According to data from Parliament's Public Accounts Committee, less than £21 million has been recovered. It's estimated fraudsters benefited to the tune of £1.1 billion. The government has acknowledged some of the assistance programmes rolled out during the pandemic were done so at speed and says there are some legal obstacles to recovering funds. The Labour chair of the Public Accounts Committee says it's simply not good enough to give up on recovering money simply because it's difficult to do so. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. And Manchester United's shares have plunged following reports the club is no longer for sale. The Mail on Sunday says they may try to sell the business again in 2025 when improved conditions could attract more bidders. Bloomberg's Jess Menton breaks down the stock drop. Manchester United down 18% at the close, so this is biggest drop, percentage drop on record. So that did come after a report that the Glazer family is going to take the club off the market. It means the football club's now valued at roughly $3.2 billion after around $700 million was wiped from its market cap. Sheikh Jassim, a member of Qatar's royal family, and Ineos head Jim Ratcliffe had both made offers to buy Man U from the Glazers. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's turn to another story and the UK government has announced it will unveil its autumn statement on the 22nd of November. The Chancellor is under increasing pressure from within his own party to use it as an opportunity to cut taxes before the next election. But he says his priority will remain bringing down inflation, with prices still rising by 6.8% annually. Many others will agree with that sentiment. Well, of course, we discussed all of this with the former Bank of England policymaker Michael Saunders on the UK Politics podcast. Now, he told me and Lizzie Burden that the UK will need to settle in for persistent low growth in living standards unless the government dramatically rethinks spending and debt. Well, I don't know what advice they're giving and whether that advice is taken. Um, but the UK, over the last 10, 12 years, has made economic policy errors, which many of the experts identified at the time as being errors. A lot of people can be clever with hindsight. The people you listen to most are those who can tell you at the time when things were wrong because they've got deep knowledge well-founded expertise. And one of those errors was to have very low public investment during the 2010s, at a time when the economy had plenty of spare capacity and borrowing costs were low. Another one also was to downplay the economic costs of Brexit, which many experts warned would be substantial. I think the evidence that we've seen since Brexit is consistent with that. Um, So, Maybe the experts know something. 
after all. And having, you know, we should try to learn the lessons from experts' advice rather than dismiss it. There's an important moment, really, as we look to the autumn of when the tightening, the interest rate hiking cycle is going to come to an end. What do you expect to come from the Bank of England um, next? How many more interest rate increases do you think the UK economy can deal with? I think they're pretty much done. Uh, I think it's at the moment it looks to me about 50-50 as to whether they will hike again at the September meeting. And if they do hike, it would be um, only 25 basis points. Either way, I don't think they'll be hiking beyond that. So either we've already reached the peak or we have another 25 in September and probably that is the peak. So we've had uh, during the course of this year, uh, substantial evidence of second round effects through wages and services inflation. But also there's a growing drag on the economy from the substantial tightening of monetary policy not just here, but overseas as well. And the business surveys, notably the PMIs, have turned down quite markedly in the last few months. And I think the emerging weakness in the economy, alongside signs that the labor market is beginning to loosen with unemployment rising, that should be enough to allow the MPC to shift from a strategy of raising rates at every meeting to then just keeping them high for an extended period. And I thought the use of the Table Mountain analogy by Hugh Pill in his most recent talk is quite telling there. The idea of the Table Mountain strategy is having climbed the mountain, raised interest rates steadily. You then go along a perhaps quite lengthy period in which you're at the top of the mountain, but it's flat. In other words, interest rates stay high, I would say, probably until quite quite a long way into next year. And at the next Bank of England decision in September this month, they're also expected to give us an update on quantitative tightening. I wonder whether the pace should actually be increased, in your view, when it's going like clockwork, and if so, by how much? I suspect they will increase the pace slightly. Uh, I think that was signalled by a talk uh, a month or two ago by Deputy Governor Dave Ramsden in which he discussed the first year of the QT program. Said, as you said, it's on the whole, it's gone pretty well. Um, I think they started off at a slightly cautious pace because when QT was initiated around a year ago, there was an element of a step into the unknown about it. No central bank had been doing QT. And so I think they started off slightly cautiously. I would expect them to expand it from a total of 80 billion in the first year to perhaps 90 or 100 billion in the coming year. I don't think that would cause a significant market reaction. Market expectations have shifted up to that kind of range following that speech by, Ray, by Dave Ramsden. So that was the former Bank of England policymaker Michael Saunders, now a senior economic advisor at Oxford Economics, speaking to me and to Lizzie Burden on the UK Politics podcast. You can hear the full interview on Apple, Spotify or wherever you listen. But I think what Saunders was underlining is that if we want to get out of persistently low growth, low living standards, there needs to be a rethink from government, whatever government comes in um, or is in power that basically prioritises you know, economic growth and not just the standard um, government measures around sort of debt and spending, the so-called fiscal rules that we've used so far. There needs to be a sort of big, big rethink. It was a very, very good 
interview. Let's turn to another issue that's facing the government though in terms of a financial strain on UK landlords triggered by pricey mortgages and tougher regulation. It's prompting many to sell up and leave the market altogether but meanwhile bigger, richer players are building their stock of housing schemes known as Build to Rent. While relatively small now, two of the UK's biggest real estate firms expect Build to Rent to one day make up over a third of the private rental sector. Our residential real estate porter Damien Shepherd is with us to talk through this. Now, Damien, good morning to you. What is Build to Rent exactly and where does the idea come from? Uh, so build to rent, it essentially refers to any residential building that's gone up, which is specifically for the purpose of being professionally managed and rented out to tenants. Um, in the UK, we've actually pinched the idea from the US, where it's known as multifamily housing. It was born in London about just over a decade ago. And um, just to put um, those forecasts into into perspective, Savills and Knight Frank are predicting that it could rise to about 30% of the whole of the private rental sector. So we're on fewer than 100,000 homes now. They reckon that that can rise to 1.6 million eventually, um, which can only be a good thing for um, UK rental supply. Um, and these investors that run these buildings, they're typically in the shape of private equity firms, pension funds and developers. And there was £2 billion worth of investment in the first half of this year. Um, it's been around for just over a decade, but we're at a bit of a moment now where with the strain that small landlords are under, we're seeing a little bit of a change in hands going on. Yeah, absolutely, because there is a current housing downturn going on. So what role do you think Build to Let um, has to play in that? Yeah, so small landlords, your sort of traditional often accidental landlords are under a huge strain at the moment. They're typically on interest-only mortgages that are feeding through interest rates um, in a dramatic fashion for them. Uh, Many are selling up. And there's a huge shortage in rental properties in the UK. Um, As a renter myself, I'm looking for another place to live at the moment and finding it extremely difficult. Um, So these investors are proposing to step in and plug that gap um, where a lot of small landlords are leaving the sector. Um, And it can only be a good thing for supply, um, but I suppose it really raises um, the fact that these landlords are under huge pressure and it's the people with the money that are going to step in. So how big, what's the potential here for build to rent in the UK? Um, So JLL, one of the biggest real estate firms in the UK, believe that in about a decade it could rise from only 1.5% now. So we're still very small at the moment. They think that that could rise to 10% in about a decade. So this will move pretty quickly if we're going by these real estate firms predictions Um, and the pandemic has actually accelerated the potential for build to rent a lot of these tower blocks are kitted out with all sorts of amenities like meeting rooms some with swimming pools and other areas like that and the tech is pretty good as well Um, so there's certainly an acceleration since the pandemic Mm. um, in in sort of the attractions to these places Damien just briefly government's attitude then to build to rent Um, and Anecdotally, they like it. Um, there's, mm. there's new regulation coming in, in in the way of energy efficiency standards and the renters reform bill. Anecdotally, these investors can probably deliver it better than small landlords who are under a financial crunch. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com.
Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.